You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listener, this will be the cold open because Jimmy had to stop the recording a second ago because he had to go check his preferences, which my brain first interpreted as saying like, well, men, right? You never know. Listen, <laughs> I'm an aspiring pansexual. And, and I don't want to put anybody in a bubble. Well... Is that the way you phrase that? Um, no. <laughs> Will somebody get us another drink? Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theater Happy Hour. I'm Tommy. And I'm Jimmy. And this is the only musical theater podcast with playbills. And drink spills. Here, we take apart your favorite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theater conversation. Dear listener, you've reached the point in the podcast where I usually ask my co-host what he is drinking today in an effort to force him to come up with a hackneyed piece of improv that vaguely relates to the musical that we're about to talk about. I hope you're prepared. Jimmy, what are you drinking today? <laughs> Listen, I resent hackneyed. <laughs> um, like a Slurpee? I don't know. What do you have at carnivals? You have a Slurpee at carnivals, right? You have Slurpees at carnivals, yeah. Goldfish water? What the heck do is... Do they still do goldfish? Oh, like an actual goldfish. Like we win a goldfish. I was confused because we also have a food that is goldfish crackers. Goldfish crackers, And yeah. goldfish water sounds disgusting when related to goldfish crackers. Yeah. A soggy goldfish. Oh. Ugh. You don't want that. Anyway, are we going to go with that? Yeah. Goldfi- goldfish. Slurpee. Goldfish slurpee. Goldfish water. <laughs> yeah, a slurpee flavored. No, a gold <laughs> hackneyed very hackneyed anyway why uh well i'll tell you we're pretty sure this is the only musical about roller coasters i believe was our quiz question i think so i think it is they, like we, specifically specifically because there's other like carnival and circusy themed and carousel um but i don't think there are roller right. coasters in carousel um i'm pretty sure there's no roller coaster i think that's a safe certainly not in any broadway productions but there could be you know madison wisconsin's carousel they might have gone for something there that that would be tons of fun jimmy what show are we talking about we are talking about ride the cyclone It 
Okay, ride the cyclone. Here we are, by the way. This has been a little ju- not since Comet. Yeah, I know. Right, have we gone on this kind of like? Oh, this is oh, okay. Whoa, I, shit. I don't. I don't want to prematurely oversell it, but I've gotten a lot of Comet feelings about I our get. our experience with hearing about this show and then sharing it with each other and now talking about it. Like, yeah, exactly. So we will call them comet feelings from now. I think that's quite a cute phrase. <laughs> I've got comet feelings about you. Isn't that a lovely thing <laughs> to is, say to someone? There are Jim and Tomic themed Valentines. Um, yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> love that. Um, but right, why are we just talking about it now, Tommy? Well, it's weird. the The cast album of Ride the Cyclone was released oh maybe about three weeks ago at time of recording. Um, which is fascinating because far as I can tell, there aren't any current productions running of it. Um, and it premiered in, I mean, had was workshopped and kind of, uh, uh, punted around in 2014, 2015. Um, so ride the cyclone is a, a show with music book and lyrics by Jacob Richmond and Brooke Maxwell. Um, it started at the at a cabaret called the Atomic Vaudeville in British Columbia, and then uh, moved to Chicago in 2015. And I'm kicking myself, Jimmy. I lived there, could have seen this. Right. Um, it's been really interesting. I know plenty of working actors in and around the Chicago area. Um, yeah. And just kind of looking at this and just like, mm, this was like three degrees away from people I knew. Um, right. And so, like, just, like, you know, like, ships passing in the night just missed it while it was there. Such a shame in hindsight. I know. Obviously. I know. Um, I want to go back and also because, it. well, obviously, we'll talk about it later, but there's been so much changes since then. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. But so after Chicago, it then toddled around various um, locales. Um, it did a little stint off-Broadway. Mm-hmm. It's done really, really well critically, kind of, wherever it's gone. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as, as Tommy said, that we got a cast album for it this month. And the rule, the Jim and Tomic rule is we will cover your show if you have a cast album. Mm-hmm. So they did it. So here <laughs> we are. <laughs> um, but no, this yeah. until like the cast album showed up on my like Spotify release radar, um, which thank you, you know, Spotify yeah, algorithm thank you, gods. Algorithm. Um, and I shared it with Jimmy. And his, you, do you remember your first reaction when I said, you know, listen to this thing? And you, you were like, what is this? What? This looks yeah, stupid. Exactly. Well, I think because I think I listened to the first track and I was a bit like, yeah, because if you listen to the first track, you it's, know, fair. It, sure. um, and yeah, I was a little bit confused. But gosh, did I retract that <laughs> um, statement? Uh because yeah, it's 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 been a very fun, very short, pre- you know, I mean, period of time. Like this, it's certainly never been to the UK, so th- this really has been the first time. Yeah, I've been able to be exposed to it, and I think there'll be a lot of people across the world having the same kind of reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like more so than any in recent times, like listen to this 
podcast recording first i would yes. say to the to the peeps yeah um who are listening to this like go and, and do that um a just to actually support the show because it's a smaller right smaller scale show we're not talking big budgets here um and it, i would quite like to see this alive again at some yeah. point I'm, i have no doubts it will be but um but also just i think just to get the context because you won't there's no other there's no you know, there's very few ways the, into right, the, the cyclone canon like exactly yeah although um, <laughs> i will say it's funny you say support the show by listening to it because doesn't karnak say um through through my years of prognostication i've realized that the only thing that makes less money than musical theater is releasing an album on a streaming service exactly and hey he's right he's right i see my dad's royalties that he gets from his songs and <laughs> listen pittance doesn't even cover it um but right uh we're gonna do a, a little bit differently this time yeah kitty winks um we're gonna do one of our sort of like track by track yeah which we haven't done in a long time haven't done i don't think it's not since like ghost, ghost quartet yeah uh, but it's a good one to kind of walk you through. But, you know, yep. uh, bird's eye view, uh, sky high overview of Ride the Cyclone um, takes place in kind of a, a limbo-ish carnival warehouse. Our narrator for the evening is the amazing Karnak, um, who is a, a Zoltar-esque fortune-telling automaton machine uh, who uh, predicts the time place and circumstances of your death but unfortunately at in his current state at a theme park he was set to family fun mode um and can only tell you to ride the cyclone and that your lucky number is seven um he's hosting this night and he knows because he is who he is that he's going to die tonight his his uh cable is going to be chewed through by a rat um and so as a last act of benevolence uh, he brings back a group of teenagers um, from the St. Cajetan's Choir. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yes. From Uranium City, Saskatchewan, who all died on the Cyclone roller coaster uh, a, a year ago or so. And the prize of the night, the grand prize of the night, is that one of them will be brought back to life. Indeed. Um yeah, and I think we're gonna kind of say no more at this stage, mm -hmm. um, because yeah, Tommy and I were talking about this. Like, it, it's it, the cast album does that good thing of giving you a lot but not giving you everything. Yeah, um, and we're gonna try and kind of we're gonna try honor and, that. We're gonna try and respect that too. There might be some <laughs> more slightly more mild spoilers in here. We're going yeah. off a little more research, but we do want to yeah. keep some of the magic and some of the secrets secret. Um, because it's a small show that deserves to be seen exactly and like but also what i would say is if it does get spoiled for you in any way it it won't stop you from wanting to see it like, exactly having known and have read the script i'm like i'm ready yep. <laughs> yep. you know what i mean um but right i'm ready let's hop in Wee! you know roller coaster theme though. oh i like right? that one i like that one right Some blue. 
Greetings, children. It's time to play. Earth and sky and sky is ground. Did we finally leave our town? So we're going to start with kind of talking about like the opening section of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is, is, is kind of like a, a classic world building mm-hmm. moment um, where we're kind of, it's a mixture of monologue from Karnak and you hear from some of the kids um, and you also hear about their life yeah. in small town uranium. <laughs> it's a fun, I mean, you, the whole thing starts with, uh, you know, after a, perhaps a little prologue from Jane Doe. Um, just direct address and narration from Karnak, which is very appropriate and like suiting for the kind of thing it is. And I don't know what it is, Jimmy. I think I tweeted this the other day, but yeah. gone are my aspirations of wanting to be man in chair. Um, right. My new dream role is Karnak, the amazing Karnak from Ride the Cyclone, 100%. I fully see. I fully see you as that. And listen, do you know why I really support that? Because it take shirt the running we'll do it we'll we'll do them in rep we'll we'll go back and forth and like i want to be karnak i want to build the karnak thing i want to do this set design like holy crap um like i think this show hits you right off the back with um this one's gonna be weird (laughs) right exactly and like because so um if you look up any of the the promo footage or uh, published images like you'll see that karnak looks like the kind of Zoltar from Big, yeah, you know, thing. He is very much. He looks like an animatronic, but there is a guy in there. Yeah, he's a, um, a a puppety sort of thing, and it's done really, really well. Yeah. Um, but right. So basically, yeah, Karnak sets up the story. He tells us what's happened. He tells us that there's been this crash and that he has this power, and mm-hmm. you know, he's he's brought these kids into limbo to work out who's gonna um be reborn, basically. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we meet, uh, all of the kids for the first time. Yeah. So um, there are six of them. There are five of them. There are five of them. And then Jane. And Jane. Yes. Uh, so Jane is interesting because she is Jane Doe. Yes. Um, and she has been decapitated in the crash and, they are unable to identify her remains because nobody came to claim the body. Mm-hmm. So she is very much a Jane Doe. Um, and so the way that the creators have interpreted this is that she is this kind of broken doll yeah. figure, basically, who doesn't know who she is and doesn't know where she came from. And it's just a sort of general creepy presence, basically. <laughs> um, and uh, sort of mildly torments. Yeah. The other kids who are extremely creeped out by her. I believe uh, um, Karnak introduces her by saying, uh, tonight's mystery contestant. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because she's not there for the whole start. Yeah. And she doesn't sing with the choir during the the opening of Uranium. Yeah, so also, I, small fact about Uranium. Real place. Real place. Population of 73. Yeah. Sounds like a really interesting time. Yeah. Um, and who knew that, you know, Canada was a leading source of... Makes a lot of uh, sense. Do they, to, to take a sidebar, do they, in where I live in Colorado, mm-hmm. like, right, we have a city called Boulder, but right. there's a city called Marble, there's a city called Golden, <laughs> like, there are all sorts of towns in, in Colorado named after the thing that they found there. Right. Um, we don't have that. You don't have that? No. We have, like, 
na- like names that, like it's, there was a bridge there once and so it's the gaelic <laughs> word for bridge you know what i mean like that's what yeah. you've got was chestershire shire sure no that's england oh pardon me for goodness sake no it's fine england's fine but so (laughs) they do in this beginning set up as you set up uranium as being a boring has been uh you know the the kids sing about will we ever leave this town um and that it is you know it is a friendly place but not a place that's very exciting yeah and it, it very much this classic small town yeah vibes yeah um and all of the stereotypes that go with that yes basically um so yeah that's that's pretty much the setup Mm -hmm. um and then we start to basically get introduced to the kids one by one in what i will say tommy Mm -hmm. in cat style yeah i mean there it it and i the creators have said they had not seen cats before writing this thing right um the thing is it's in cat still it's also assassins oh yeah like i mean this this is a it's a classic and actually very effective way of writing a show i think there is something about this and it was interesting there was a little bit of hubbub on the discord spelling bee sorry yeah yeah yeah. no there's a little hubbub on the discord about will tommy like this one um which i think is fascinating also i'm you know (laughs) please never care about my opinion but i'm flattered yeah uh but I do think there is something about this show that it, like this show, yeah, it, it leverages a lot of tropes in its uh, plot writing and even just in how, how a lot of the music is structured. Like it's not yeah. terribly, it's not terribly revolutionary in a lot of its music writing. I really like its music. Um, yeah. And I think it does run the gamut through a lot of styles, which is very fun. Um, Massively. But, you know, it's got like AABA, Gilbert and Sullivan style structure for a lot of this stuff with a very contemporary twist on it. But it's not, yeah. you know, it's no Dave Malloy up in here, right? We're not exploring the idea of what is music. Yeah, let's play theater. with sound as yeah. a concept. Yeah. Which I do, I do think, you know, because it is so on the other side of the coin, very weird in a lot of its plot concept and explores yeah. a lot of bizarre things there. It's nice to be rooted in something that's like, oh, this is a nice little musical theater bop. I got, I got right. what's going on here. And I think, like, um, in many ways, to, to give it its credit, and yes, I will disparage my cats, um, but what, what it has over cats uh-huh. is that it has an overarching concept. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, cats isn't about death. Right. And you, like, I would say, not to harp too much on cats, but like, Though the plot is which cat gets pulled to the heavy side layer at the end, yeah, it's not written in a way where you're like so curious and nervous and stressed no. and filled with suspense about who they're gonna pick, right? No, this show is structured that way. There yeah, are there exactly. are six contestants. We will choose one. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Let the games um, begin. Absolutely. So I think like the the concept tying it all together is what makes it so yeah brilliant yeah um and i think it, it probably worth actually saying at this stage um the show was built out of cabaret numbers yes you know what i mean like they had this really successful cabaret atomic vaudeville um and i think with trials like some of these numbers they are not necessarily as we see them now mm-hmm. um but some of them definitely wearing a really similar style yeah um and and um they brought in uh a director called rachel rockwell 
um, who basically brought it all together and made it more of a cohesive mm-hmm. piece. Um, and the it's been heavily workshopped in every production. You know, there's stuff that's been cut yeah. and reshaped and reformed and um, the kind of script that we have now, the licensed version is probably the definitive version that will stay yeah. um, from now on. But it's been heavily, heavily revised. And I think that's a, a really good thing because you can yeah. tell it's been polished. It's such a and cool... And it feels so solid. Like, and Spelling Bee went through a similar uh, inception. Yeah. Um, and you can tell. And there aren't, <sighs> you know, off, off the top of my head, these are the two I can think of that are born of devised pieces that have kind of broken through to... You know, and even Ride the Cyclone certainly hasn't had the success that Spelling Bee has. Um, right. And I really like these kind of pieces. It's kind of a new yeah. way in and kind of breaks the mold of traditional musical theater while still building on it, certainly. Um, totally. But like letting, you know, there's a, a funness to not holding your art so precious that is inherent in this that doesn't happen with like when you have a book writer and a music writer and a lyricist yeah. and you know you it's harder to kill your darlings then whereas if exactly. it's if it's an improv game yeah screw it that number didn't work let's write everyone for sure and it seems like they're really they have their finger on the pulse mm-hmm. with what what seems to work what doesn't work and they listen a lot to their audience mm-hmm. um the again that director Rachel Rockwell she was really really keen for them to kind of get it up and in a house as soon as possible because she was like we're not going to know what's good yeah until we are in a house and that is that's just smart directing and particularly when you're dealing with comedy yeah um and so- I do worth it to say you know with these descriptions and with summaries this is a comedy it is a dark comedy but it is a comedy yeah I love it's, like so. I wanted to call it like tragicomedy. I think yeah, that is a thing. Sure, I do think, and they do such a good job with this. It does between the setting and like meeting Jane Doe so early, and then especially Karnak, yeah. um, who I think it's in the the front material of the licensed script. Um, but they, I had to look up this word. Um, there's never any archness in his voice, mm-hmm. um, which you know, I I love. He's never a villain. He, yeah. th- nor is he like super benevolent, right? Nor is right. nor is he like a trickster god. Um, he's just kind of coolly and calmly there, running through what you know, what kind of feels like uh, uh, predetermined divine existence. Um, like this, this is how it will be. This, this is how the gears of time turn, and this is my part in it. And away we go absolutely and i think in a in quite a similar way to something like spelling bee where mm. there isn't there's no protagonist there's no yeah. antagonist even though in spelling bee there is a winner right. of the bee it it, it barfe isn't the protagonist of that piece right by any stretch yeah rona isn't the protagonist of like and i think it's a similar way here it is very much a, a full-on ensemble yeah. cast yeah um and that again gives it its credit i think that's a really important way of storytelling because you're not hinging your show on the revelations of any one person Mm -hmm. everyone's in it for the right so to speak yeah um i think that's really smart yeah uh so should we get talking about the kids let's meet ocean
so we, we do in, in a very similar way to cats in Unspell, we get we get introduced to the kids in turn basically um, and they each have their moment and they're they're all kind of um i want songs in a way yeah sure <clears throat> um and again that's a really smart device mm-hmm. because within that you get a lot of exposition out the way and you're able to see these yeah. characters it's a fun it's a fun tricky plot device or and i mean tricky and like it tricks you that right we're gonna meet all these kids and on paper they're just gonna tell you about themselves but yeah. very clearly the order in which we meet these kids and kind of the revelations they have about themselves builds the climactic structure of the piece in a way exactly. where like you're not expecting it like yeah. you your brain kind of thinks you know oh we're gonna meet all these kids and then the complication will ensue but right. the complication is kind of baked into us meeting the kids exactly and i think that's where it differs for something like assassins where you do you meet all of your assassins you get to know them then mm-hmm. you have another national anthem and everything switches around there is no moment like that there is no switcheroo aha right gotcha moment the gotcha is happening all the time exactly um and that's actually really crucial i think to the overall piece and we'll probably talk about that at the end when we sum up yeah um but uh it's, so it's smart so we get through they introduce us to uranium we meet jane doe the mystery contestant and we kind of get some exposition about that but then it's ocean's time um yes. ocean oh god I teach kids like this, and they are. Right, this show do. does an amazing job of portraying Ocean as as much of a pain in the ass as this kind of kid is. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. I find it so tricky because I know it's in the same way that when I talk about Rachel Berry, mm-hmm. like I know I've been Ocean. Yep, Ocean I know I is. Have. Do you have this term? I learned this term from uh, uh, people I know who went through medical school. Um, have right. you have you heard of a student referred to as a gunner? A gunner, as in someone who keeps gunning for things. Like they're always gunning for, and like they're gonna. Yeah. Like a gunner is the kind of student who would check out all versions of the book you're supposed to use to study from the library so right, that okay. you can't get your copy and yes, that they okay. do better on the test. Like that's the kind of thing that that kind of person does. Uh-huh. Um, and I love that. Ocean is a gunner. Ocean is like, she's got some great lines about, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, you know, how worldly wise she is. And um, what is it? Uh, I mean, sure, grades, humanitarian efforts, extracurricular activities, prestigious university, spiritual mastery of both Judaism and Catholicism, nailed my confirmation and bar mitzvah at the same week, and I'm not even bragging about that because it's against my Buddhist beliefs. Yes. <laughs> it's like, and it's really, and like she comes from, um, like she was raised Marxist, which right. I think is brilliant. <laughs> like very, like it's, it's funny because it's not like contemporary new age parenting. Right in the that kind of hippie style that we see quite a lot it, it, it is that but it's if that person was as we say a gunner an mm-hmm. overachiever um and it's really smart because that i think that's the thing is like on paper if you looked at these characters you would feel like oh it just falls into like the breakfast club um right spread that we usually get you know what i mean well, in any sort of high school and they're they're setting thing. you up for that still even with ocean right. um and her whole but, her whole point is like i must go back because i'm the best obviously Yes, exactly. But I would say that there's so much more to her character mm-hmm. um, than the 
than just the the preppy overachieving Rachel but like there is like that the new age element and the fact that she's really into improv like it's just <laughs> right it's really smart yeah um but is it lifts it out of that you know breakfast club stereotype yeah. and they do that with all of the characters yes. you know what i mean and the the joke um, is that you'll get in the libretto that you miss on the album she's really into improv but actually she has pre-rehearsed scenes with everybody because <laughs> she's uh doesn't want to actually do improv it's great <laughs> um so her song um what the world needs is people um, like me it's people like me it, so it's like uh it, very pop princess yep style in terms of its genre and like one thing as we go through you'll find that every single song has a very defined genre um and that's this one and it really it fits the character Mm -hmm. very very well um and uh it's it's a lot of fun it's a really good opener i think for the whole album because it's not um alienating no but if you can easily listen to this song you get it and it's funny but it does do the thing that like the avenue q creators always pat themselves on the back for about having kate Mm. monster drop the f-bomb in the first song yes to like let you know that the puppets are going to swear um you know this ocean spends the whole time also dissing her fellow contestants her fellow classmates and like it's mean we're not talking you know uh gentle ribbing here um right like doesn't she say like does the world really need another organ donor exactly to her best friend yeah like <laughs> you know i mean who's right there <laughs> you know how long is he gonna last if they feed him through a tube like right exactly whoo. exactly to the boy with, with a degenerative disease yeah. like yeah and so it's um mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 baiting to, yeah. say, to say the least um and then what's great is the rug gets pulled from under her yeah immediately um, karnak shows up and is like well, uh, just so you know, it's going to be a vote, uh, a unanimous vote of everyone in, in who is here right now. <laughs> exactly. And this kind of rule-breaking thing mm-hmm. um, is very, very important, I think. And again, we'll, we'll discuss it in the sum up. But uh, this happens a lot throughout the whole piece. Um, and obviously, Ocean is affronted and starts telling everyone that she loves them. Right. And that she didn't really mean it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> But the damage has been done, Ocean. Yep. The damage has been done. Um, Right, let's talk Noel. Oh, here we go. Oh, Noel. For I sing songs until the break of dawn I embrace a new man every night My life's one never-ending carnival A world of boozy, floozy, flashing light For I sing songs until the break of dawn I embrace a new man every night My life's one never-ending carnival A world of boozy, floozy, flashing light I want to be that fucked up girl I want to be that fucked up So Tommy has already said to me that he is Noel, and I agree. I feel, yep. Small town gay kid. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So Noel is uh, uh, the gay kid in uh, Uranium City, Saskatchewan. Um, yep. And he says, uh, doesn't he just, I think he says being a gay kid is like bringing a lap- laptop back to the Stone Age. 
It's the best quote <laughs> I've heard in a, like a long time. It is funny. He says, let's get it right. Being the only gay man in a small rural high school is kind of like having a laptop in the Stone Age. I mean, sure, you can have one, but there's nowhere to plug it in. That is fucking <laughs> good. And so, like, it, like, they've set you up. We've just met Ocean. What the world needs is people like me. We know all these kids are going to talk about, like, here's the reason I need to go back to, you know, become alive. And yes. now Noel's going to tell you why he should go back. But, right. oops, he doesn't. <laughs> Inst- Not at all. Instead, Noel's song is called That Fucked Up Girl. <laughs> and he, yep. he sings about his fantasy of being Monique Jabot. A post-war France hooker. <laughs> Absolutely. And he just talks about how he wants to die in the most dark and dramatic fashion. Um, and I love it. And literally, literally can relate, my friend. Yeah. Can relate. This is this is the product of what happens to you when you see Cabaret yep. when you're 12 years old and you don't get it, but you know that that's the life that you want. Like, I remember being obsessed with Greta Garbo mm-hmm. when I was wee because I saw Camille and like I was far too wee but I just remember like seeing you know those like old Hollywood techniques where they would just light the eyes mm-hmm. yep I remember seeing that and like almost crying because it was just so perfect mm-hmm. you know what I mean and she was so perfect and so dark and demure and I was like this is exquisite yeah and what this creates is a knoll. Yeah. I mean, it's it's when the the impulse that has made, you know, the goth kid finds a, you know, tiny homosexual boy and those two things collide and create a like, yes, I want to be Sally Bowles, right? Right, exactly. Um and cuz the, the same thing of like like I was one of the only gay people in my school. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't have, you know, peers that I could really... I only had fiction right. um, to, to deal with. And yeah. a lot of it wasn't gay fiction. You right. know what I mean, I there were no gay role models in my life. Yeah. So all I all I had was old Hollywood because, you know, it's the gayest thing out there. Right. Um, and so I, I, I think, again, like, this isn't the stereotypical small town gay kid. You know what I mean? It's not like, right. oh, I've been bullied. He, and, he could you know, have totally I'm gone struggling. into like, a, I haven't had a chance to live my life out of Uranium Saskatchewan, you know, being proud of my true self, right? And they're, right, and exactly. it's the cleverness of the show. They're setting you up to kind of expect something like that. Yeah. But then they show, they throw this song at you. Exactly. Um, and what a great song it is. So it's sort of in your... Uh, Kurt Vilian yeah. style, um, very uh, obviously it's French, but it, it it has a very 1930s dirge appeal to it, uh-huh. um, with elements of tango in there as well, um, and it is extremely enjoyable. It's so uh, and his. I don't want to read too much of the script out loud because it's. I'm sure it's funnier in person. Um, but he's like introducing this song. And he says, "I've seen the movie Blue Angel about a billion and one times. If there's something better on earth, uh, better on this earth than Marlene Dietrich playing Lola Lola, the heartless booze hound harlot, I don't even want to hear about it. I tried to go as her every year for Halloween. I always chickened out, and I'd go as something like C-3PO. But in my heart, I was Lola Lola dressed up as C-3PO. Exactly. And like, I relate 
We talked about it in the last episode. Yeah. Marnie Nixon. Yeah. Dressed as a nun. Yep. Dressed as Maria. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's really, really smart. Yeah. And the song also is just so funny. Like mm-hmm. this this show, I'm sure I'm gonna say it a thousand times, you know, sets them up and knocks them down just when you're least expecting it. You know, this this show is predicated on reversal of expectation. Yeah, absolutely. Um and also one of the things that I think it likes that I like about it is it introduces this really interesting friendship dynamic mm-hmm. between um, between Noel and uh, another character called Misha. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a really, really contemporary relationship between a straight man mm-hmm. and a gay man. Yep. And, um, you know, I just feel like we spoke about Dear Evan Hansen really recently. <laughs> and we didn't really lean into the gay stuff that much in that and how poor... Um, it is, but uh, this is a really good example of it. Yeah, writers. Um, just saying. Uh, <laughs> and we'll, when we meet, um, when we meet Misha, mm-hmm. we'll probably talk more about it. But uh, yeah, this sets up that really interesting friendship that that bleeds through. Yeah. Um, through the whole show. Uh, but yeah, it's worth. I mean, this this one you can kind of there's. There's clips bits of and pieces on YouTube, yeah, um, and it's worth it's worth watching because actually, so the actor who plays Noel um, has pretty much been in it the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy called uh, Colby Wardell, um, and he's one I think the only button who's been in it since the sort of inception mm-hmm. in Canada all the way through to the recording that we see now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's. Uh, it, it, it's very it's cool because you can see you can really see how much this part is him right you know what i mean and it's, it's one of those really strong yeah there's lovely a, roles yeah which i think does is what helps lend it or i would imagine is what helps lend it it's very particular nuance um yeah i always find when you have those like actor character roles you know spelling bees a lot the same way where it's so built from the person doing it that that gives you, you know, there's a whole backstory to Noel that you may never even get on stage, but absolutely informs every choice and every, you know, joke and every little movement. Yeah, it's such a fully, fully formed character. Um, and again, the, the director was saying that obviously because she approached it after it left Canada, and that's when she came on board, mm-hmm. um, he had already been doing this show for a couple of years. So... Uh, she was very much like, well, I'm not going to tell you what to do because you already know this right. inside and out. Um, and she worked quite heavily alongside him just to hone it again and polish it and make it fit into this sure. this piece. And it is so good. I just think like in, in terms of contemporary gay characters in musical theater, mm-hmm. there ain't nothing quite like Noel. No, it's good. Um, and it's, it's, it's really fun because it is gay played for a joke, but not in a way that i find offensive no but but it's also it's not it's not the fact that he's gay that's right for a joke right like that is so not on the radar yeah it's the fact that he is so into he's a young boy who's extremely <laughs> deeply immersed in right 
you know old french i yeah opium dens yeah you know what i mean like that's where that's where the comedy comedy comes from yeah um i guess i guess what i'm trying to get at is there's a there's a place where a very similar but less nuanced set of jokes is very mm. offensive and very old school right and this does a fantastic job of not being that do you know what it reminds me of and i don't know why i've not made this connection until now mm. it reminds me so much of molina in kiss of the spider women mm, sure yeah right but the child version of you know, I mean, right. like the child I mean, Molina when he was younger, in a way that you know Noel probably has also watched Kiss of the Spider Woman, like <laughs> right, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I think like that is that kind of really smart and realistic, yeah, gay character. You know, I mean, there's there's this person would exist, and it isn't, yeah, out of the realms yeah. of possibility. We've we both just said that we are him. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I think I like. <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, I like that he is now in the musical theater canon. Yes. And it is a great yeah. number. This is um, perhaps the time to ask. Included on the cast album is a censored version of That Fucked Up Girl oh, yeah, yeah. called That Messed Up Girl. I wondered what your thoughts were behind this. And also just curious, you know, this whole cast album's existence is also a bit of a mystery, right? Um, right. Why now? Why this? Also, why include... The, it's that messed up girl is how yeah. they correct it. And I, I have to re-listen again, but I think they didn't re-record the chorus parts. So I, They didn't. They say they very much say... Which is um, also weird. Yeah, up at the end. yeah, I love that, though. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> um, so I wonder, though, because it is really the only explicit song in the whole piece, I think. Let me yeah, just check. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, it's the only one that has an explicit rating. So... Um, because it's called on the track on the recording, it's called Noel's Lament. Right. They they don't they don't girl. title it in because I also think iTunes has and other places have some rules about profanity in yes. the title. Yes. Um. So I can see them. Obviously, they're now going to be wanting this existing in as many high schools as possible. Right. Exactly. And so perhaps so that's I, part it's of kind it. of like. Listen, don't worry. We've got that covered. Yeah. You're already going to be asking. I can't have this number. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Um, so I think that's actually a really smart I think move, it's, it's to be very honest. clever. I'm curious because it's not... I know high schools have done this already, right? Like, you can license this right now. Um, yeah. Which is fascinating. Um, and does... It absolutely also seems to have made the rounds as a socially distanced or digital musical. Yeah, And I think exactly. it's very well suited for that kind of adaptation because they are a bunch of solo songs. It is kind of absolutely. weird and limbo-esque. Um, exists, yeah, exists in another yeah. plane, so why not? But yeah. I, I was expecting, because I'd got the perusal, and I was expecting there to be some like, and here's the censored version you can perform Mm. in the script and there isn't and who knows no. maybe a different version comes when you license it um but i was just curious that that you would think with the like knowing that they recorded a censored version they would go through the care of being specific like sweeney todd does like a bunch of these school editions yeah. do to be like and here's the high school version if that's what you yeah. need um but they you know it's not a, not in the book so who knows Exactly. Well, Ocean gets on at him for swearing. Yes, in the right away. Number, so uh, maybe it was for Ocean. <laughs> <laughs>
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Listen, I don't know whether it's because over the pandemic, I've been speaking to a Ukrainian man. Uh huh. I've fallen in love with this character. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm having, over the past, how long have we listened to this? A week. Over the past week, uh-huh. I've been having a love affair with Misha, the Ukrainian adopted rapper. Yep. Misha, um, Misha Baczynski, who, <laughs> it's like, so you, you get out of Noel's Lament and you're like, man, that was weird. Here, in comes Misha Baczynski. <laughs> right. But it's just like this i think to me and again like this the way that this show has been written and in terms of the book um is really smart because the way that they pitch the characters and the way that they line up by this point you're ready for anything yep you know what i mean and this is when they start to get i would say experimental (laughs) yeah you know i mean but no so noel was obviously shocking right right but still fits in the world of musical theater Exactly. Exactly. Like the numbers is very much a Kandra and Ebb. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's something oh, we're very, They make very a whole to... like, I stabbed him 10 times in the back with a knife joke. Like. Right. Exactly. Um, and the, you know, men and drag, we're very used to that. Right. Now. That ain't, you know. Um, so we've gone through Ocean being very poppy, fun, generic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, this is silly musical theater. And now it's like, okay, now we're going to really play about here. Yep. And uh, um, Misha comes out with, what would you describe this as? Euro trash rap? <laughs> it's very like, yeah, Euro kind of uh, light garage hip hop. Yeah. Um, it's it's the thing, it's the, you know, there, there's, there's some really, really good examples of like backyard Russian hip hop mm-hmm. on YouTube. And I'll probably link some of the shows because there was a couple that went viral and they're amazing. Like they're really good. Yeah. Like the guys in them, you're just like, I love you so much yeah. because you're really trying. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's got, it's definitely got that vibe of like copying American yes. hip hop. Yes. Um, and yeah, so that's how, his number starts right and the he's he's pitched as he's older than everyone else but they don't tell you that because his adoptive parents from chernobyl or uh the parent his parents his birth parents who put him up for adoption yes poor you know incorrectly listed his age but apparently he still just continued pretending or believing or existing as a teenager exactly so yeah so they thought they were adopting a baby but what they got was a teenager who, with an alcohol problem, yeah. basically. So he gets kept in the basement. I find this so tragic. Um, it gets kept in the basement um, and they kind of avoid him. Um, and here he has now ended up in this choir. Um, and so, yeah, again, from using the, the, the Breakfast Club stereotypes here, this is your burnout, but he isn't the, oh, I've got daddy issues and... I'm really struggling and I'm yep. just moody. Like he's the loveliest burnout that's ever existed. What? Like, yep. It's such a well-formed character again. 
and they they describe him as as channeling his you know uh, uh, masculine rage into this hip hop song that he sings called "This Song Is Awesome." Yes, which is as like it's such a good song because it is exactly. Well, I was about to say because it is exactly what it is. Like it is the most <laughs> surface level satire parody, but not really of right. aggrandizing wealth rap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the remember, um, I guess like ten years ago now, when Rebecca Black came out with mm, Friday. Yeah. Yes. Right. And then we had that slew of all, you know, like the one like Chinese food yep. and my blue jeans and butterflies. Yep. Yes, I watched them all. Okay. <laughs> Shoot me in the face. But um, like that slew of like pre-packaged, pre-written songs that mean nothing yep. and will make you go viral, basically. Yep. It's got that vibe to it. Um, but it's so sincere. And I think that's what's delightful. Like it isn't, it doesn't feel like part, and again, like this full performance um, is on YouTube, so you can go watch it. Yep. And like you're totally along for the ride. It's not like no, no. Again, no one's making fun of anyone no. here. No, it is. It's just a really sincere, well-formed character yep. performing a number. Yep. Um, and that's what's so good about yep. it. Um, but my favorite part about it <laughs> is just when you think, um it's finished uh-huh. uh we then kind of get transported um and he tells us about um this girl that he's fallen in love with who he met in his youtube comments tommy <laughs> i know well and as right? as karnak describes uh and uh those of you listening at home the second movement of this song won't make a lick of sense until you see it in person and that my friends exactly. is a master class on how to upsell <laughs> so good um but we're gonna try and make it make some sense yep. for you because it's not really spoilery you could probably put it together so he he's yeah. he sings of his his like internet girlfriend talia and talia. we take this like dubstep drop genre change into like deep ukrainian folk music yeah and it is st- i like it's already my most listened to song of the year. <laughs> like, I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. Like, oh, that's I can't awesome. Stop listening to it, and I can't stop singing it. It's delightful to sing. It's a, so it's thank a gorgeous you so song to Jacob Richman and Brooke because, like, it, it's delight, <laughs> it's really delightful, and it's it's such a lovely love song. Yeah, right. Without being, you know. I guess it is cheese, but it's it's smart. It's smart, right? Well, and the the you know they're obviously doing the juxtaposition of the backyard rap with this folk music, and yes. like this isn't the kind of show where then you know Karnak walks out and says, and clearly you can see. Well, it could be that kind of show where says, and clearly you see the uh-huh. juxtaposition and the connection between how teenagers express themselves across difference, right? right? Like, he probably could do that, and he doesn't. And it's also the sort of show where they don't need you to sit with that for too long, but it's doing no. that comparison there. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the staging as well, this is probably quite a good time to talk about that. Um, certainly in, obviously, this original incarnation, and I imagine if it ever goes anywhere Broadway- oriented this will be a key part of it because they make a big big deal of it in the script Mm -hmm. um they use a lot of really really smart 
um, projection mapping. Yeah. And um, at the end of this, they do that thing where they project it onto like white clothes. Um, and so they use like the veil of Talia mm-hmm. um, and his shirt uh, and uh, the other character, the supporting characters on their shirts as well. And they project, you know, proper special projection mapping onto them. Um, really, really smart technical stuff that you wouldn't expect mm-hmm. from a small scale yeah. regional show. Yeah. Um, which is really brilliant. Yeah. Um, and obviously you don't get any sense of that in the cast recording. Right. But it's, I think it's important to know that and it, it's there. And it's it's very, like, to the to both the way that the, the libretto uh, refers to it and just looking at, you know, pictures of it, it is pretty, like, an integral part of the set design, which yeah. you don't see in as you said like this kind of small scale sort of thing it does mark like a pretty significant shift in what the face of musical theater is going to become because this thing is is setting itself up to be a very regional and high school produced show and absolutely we've reached the point where yeah you know like i work in high school we could do projection mapping tomorrow um and like a lot of regional theaters just could they just don't because it's not written into shows or if they do Mm -hmm. it seems like you know it's a thing we're doing sunday in the park but it's all project right like yeah exactly and then here it is like no no this has projections and they're and it's projection mapping it's not like the uh you know the intro of evita or right and like you know glass menagerie has projections written into the script but from a very different era Exactly, exactly. This is it's really intelligent the way it uses it. And I think you actually really hit on a good point there, Tommy, is like um, we've, we've spoken about for a while over the pandemic that, you know, what will theatre look like yeah. post-pandy? And um, are we going to be taking our eyes off of Broadway? Mm-hmm. And this, I think, is a really good example of um, something that will work not on Broadway. Yeah. Like, I don't think I would want to see this in a Broadway house. No, it would need to be like a super, super, or like Circle in the Square, something tiny. Um, yeah, and but even, that, then, even then, yeah, it's just it just doesn't feel right. It's, it's what we've talked about before with Lightning Thief. Yep. Um, be more chill, even you know. I mean, yep. like these these shows that work really, really well on a small scale. Heather's like work really well on small scale. The second you scale it up, right. it loses something. Well, and and. Mm. By George, I do not want this show to lose anything. And I like, do think that's what's fascinating about this one in particular is because on a small scale in a, you know, kind of regional or community theater, and I, I don't mean to be, you know, diminutive when I say regional, like this played at some great, absolutely I, not. I believe like, this played at the Goodman in Chicago, like this played at some really yeah. important theaters, but they have a different flavor than, you know, yeah. a big Broadway theater does. Um, but st- it's still a show with like, I don't know how to phrase it other than like special effects. Like it has Hmm. a production design and a production quality that you kind of expect from a big Broadway show that is novel or surprising or, you know, the, the, it's not just the actors on stage. Like there's the set is a storytelling device in this thing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it does it on a shoestring and it's written to do it, you know, on a budget. Um, And that's really cool. And I hope we see more things like that. We're like, yeah, I really, really hope you can so, have like, a really moving tech theater informed experience in yeah. this storefront theater. And we don't need to drop a chandelier to do it. A hundred percent. Like it, it, like this, this kind of show gives me a lot of hope because like, this is the kind of thing that if it rolled into my city, I'd be so excited and intrigued about seeing. Yeah. Um, but if I went to Broadway, 
I probably, you know, I mean, like, I I wouldn't really care as much. Like, and they say in a similar vein with um, uh, with Strange Loop, mm. like, mm-hmm. it, it it will it would lose something, yeah, you know. And and in many ways, I've thought a lot about Strange Loop whilst I've been listening to this. Yeah, and just like this is some extremely good, yeah, intelligent contemporary theater here that we're seeing where they're really using the musical theater art form, yeah. at its best, yeah, um, and. Yeah, I, I, it's very strange thing to say, but I really hope it doesn't go to Broadway, well, and I just don't think it needs it. I think, and I, I want to say this out loud, and I'm forming this thought as I say it, so bear with right. me. But I do think our reaction to this is very much related to a conversation that's happening right now with Broadway reopening, and everyone's like, "Oh, but look, tickets still cost five hundred dollars," right. and that creates a poisonous feedback loop where well if i'm paying that much to see a show then i have a Mm -hmm. certain level of expectation of what kind of quality and production design to expect and that very much limits the kind of shows that happen and not that you shouldn't pay for shows and not that actors and you know folks shouldn't be paid but i think we all know the you know or there is at least an assumption that the markup you're seeing on that ticket isn't leading to highly inflated actor salaries you know that's going in the producer's pocket um yeah exactly which is bullshit and so you know i think that is what is informing our desire like I would absolutely love to see this in a Broadway house for reasonably priced tickets. Um, yeah. I, well, I, yeah, I would like to see it in a Broadway house in the 70s. Right. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, for the right reason. Right, but um, the Nederlanders and everyone else ain't going to let that happen. No, and I just, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want the team to feel like we need to make, we need to Broadway-fy this. Right. Um, because it's just not going to work on this small scale because the shows like that don't work. Right. And I just can't be arsed with that dialogue anymore. It's too limiting and it is too restrictive. And like, this is the, this, a strange loop, like this is the kind of theatre I want to see going forward. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I really hope. Yeah, absolutely. It does. I know we're, on, that way. we're on a tangent of a tangent, but this is a, yeah. a conversation I had with the director at my school recently because we're trying to choose literature for um next year's shows um Mm -hmm. and yes if you are one of my students i'm not going to tell you what we're thinking about nice try Um, but i already know (laughs) i actually think i do i think you have told me well we'll talk off pod um hey let let me just say it's got a lot of great parts in it um (laughs) uh it's hard to choose high school literature these days because a lot of contemporary stuff is either small, like this one is, mm-hmm. or just inappropriate enough that it's a tough sell, um, mm. like Spelling Bee, let's say. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to do my unfortunate distraction, um, oh. right? And like that, it's such a... I want to... I, I would want to do the song My Unfortunate Erection. I would want if we did ride the cyclone for it to be that fucked up girl. Also, I don't have the energy to sit through meetings with administrators and parents or whatever and explain why I think this is important because it's Mm -hmm. not about this particular subject matter of those things. It's about the integrity of the art form and how I feel about inappropriateness. And I'm never going to be able to convince them of that. Right. Um, Yeah. And so it is tough. I find it really tough as an educational theater person 
to really like musicals like this because we're cultivating a world where high school musicals are going to be harder and harder to do because there's a yeah. squeeze on the other end as well, right? So many musicals that are big enough to have kids in them are ones that either are like perpetuating terrible gender stereotypes or flat out racist yep. or yep. like, you know, all sorts of problematic in those directions. And so then you'd like end up with this like really, really limited pool of shows that are feasible. Um, yeah. I had a whole conversation inspired by Ride the Cyclone with my director um, earlier this week about exactly this thing. Um, so I'm happy to announce it here. Next year's musical at my school will be Ride the... No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at this stage with you. Like, I truly wouldn't. Um, before we move on from Misha, I just want to read a stage direction mm-hmm. that I just, again, helped me enjoy the love affair. Um, so this is at the end of his love song, Talia. Um, also, I sent the song to my Ukrainian friend um, <laughs> and uh, he said it was nice. <laughs> I was like, thank you. Oh, man. He said it was very interesting to hear. You are. You are. Say those words. You are. <laughs> was like, you are Misha. It's fun because like Misha also has this like semi unrequited uh you know love anyway (laughs) i'm not gonna get into it tell me right okay so the stage direction is the song ends leaving misha staring at his phone long beat the cast gathers around misha who's clearly lost in sadness not really knowing what to say noel touches misha's shoulder misha hugs noel with deep affection and sadness noel awkwardly hugs him at first but as misha's stifled cry uh, cries move him he holds him in a true embrace of friendship and i'm like literally never before in musical theater mm-hmm. you know what i mean yep. like it doesn't happen no. and i don't know why it's 2021 yeah. like and this but to be fair this show was written in 2011 yeah this relationship has been in the show for a long period of time right. like it just well done these writers because thank you yeah about fucking time right Anyway, let's move on from my love, Misha. Yeah, who's the, who's on the chopping block next? Ah, uh, Ricky. It's <laughs> Ricky. My first listen, I can I set the scene for you, Jimmy? Yeah, I please do. listen to podcasts and music on my drive to and from work. It's about mm-hmm. a 45 minute, 30 minute drive. Um, Love that. Normally, I do it safely with one ear pod in. Um, but on this particular day, my ear pods had run out of charge on this Friday afternoon. 
I believe when I sent this to you. And this had come up on my release radar halfway through the day and was like, okay, mm-hmm. this is going to be my ride home. New musical. It's been a minute. Love it. And I was so disappointed that I, my earpod was dead. But right. my very old Toyota Camry, I do have one of those, I guess you don't drive. I don't know if you're even aware of this. A tape cassette adapter for the radio. Yeah, I know where they are. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they have an aux cable. Yeah, and then you plug it in. Yeah. Um, and I've got a little adapter on it because I've got one of those stupid iPhones. Um, Brilliant. And I was like, I guess, and like, it's terrible sound quality, but I really want to listen to this on the drive home. So I was listening to music over my speakers for maybe the first time in my car for a very long time. And it was also yeah. the very one of the very first nice spring days at oh. in in Colorado. Like, delightful. And so I'm this listening to this musical musical with my windows down i'm about halfway home and ricky's song comes on and i just lost my shit i was like laughing like a madman at a stoplight at how like where this show had taken me (laughs) right right exactly and so right this is it that is exactly it because by this point we're in deep experimentals like you are in this raid yep. raid along for the raid um and so now we're gonna do whatever the hell we want and yes we're gonna do a song about a boy who had a degenerative disease then died in a tragic um roller coaster accident has then regained the ability of speech yep and movement and accordion playing um and now we're going to tell you exactly what he's been thinking about his entire life. Like, what? Where the hell did you come up with that shit from? Like, that is so good. Like, come on, <laughs> that is fun. And then what he? I mean, let's Tommy. Can you describe to us what it is he's been thinking about his entire? Well, life? so here's the thing. Um, because like Karnak's been narrating the whole thing, and is basically like, who's up next? Um. And so Misha gets us into this and says to Ricky, um, you know, Ricky, you go next. Why don't you express your truth and wisdom of the dying boy who can now play the accordion? Earlier in the song, he plays the accordion. He gets lots of compliments on it. And Ricky says instead, or I could tell you about the time I was a superhero sex god on a cat planet. And Constance says (laughs) definitely the second one. (laughs) I mean, it is really, really great. And so that, I mean, that's pretty much it. He then goes on and sings this lovely fantasy story. Yeah, Space Age Bachelor Man. That's it. And how he saved the cat people of um, the planet Zolar and uh, (laughs) was able to have sex with all of them. It's so... Why not? It's so wild. Um and I love, and I'm sad that a lot, a lot of um, uh, uh, Karnak's narration on the cast album isn't in the, the piece. And a lot, right. his narration in the piece is also fantastic. It's absolutely delightful. Yeah. But his narration on the album is like, um, the begin- beginnings of stories are hard. Endings of stories are uh, also difficult. But the middle of a story is damn near impossible. Here's this sex god song, yeah, basically. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and that's it. But that it is that thing of like, you're listening, you're along for the raid now. Yeah. You're listening, you're loving it, you're having a great time. Yep. We're going to give you this. Um, and the things that they pull. So he ends up in like a full David Bowie esque glam rock sheen, you know, yep. from this lovely parochial school uniform into this out of nowhere. Like, and they've got cattails and 
they're behind screens mimicking having sex like it's it's something else you know (laughs) so well and the setup is they describe ricky as like when he started being affected by his non-specific degenerative disease he uh stopped talking and so did the rest of his family in solidarity um right but also much like leaf coney bear they live with 14 cats and that's the backstory you get before he starts singing about (laughs) his space sex exactly um yeah I'm, i'm trying not to keep saying it's really good it's really smart because we're getting into the old ways right with that with that kind of chat but, you know, I mean, like, you're seeing Jim and Tomic reactions. This, this show is such a delight to listen to. Like, if, you, if you're the, if you're the so poor enjoyable. person who made it this way, far through and had, didn't listen to it, like, this is the time. Like, stop, go. Oh, God, you know? yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, this whole experience is so refreshing and enjoyable. And it's, I don't know what, I just feel like it's, it has been a, a long, long time since I've gone into something and just been like, oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. on, on every well beat, done. so so fun right. and enjoyable. And that was I forget what which beat a bit of press I was reading about this, but it sounds very much like this. This show started as an exploration of death and loss and the mm-hmm. afterlife, mm-hmm. but then with a twist of like you don't want that's a morbid downer kind of evening, right? Right. And so how do you how do you reconcile the two? Like how do we talk about death but still you know keep it comedy keep it co- and, and leave people space to like actually contemplate it instead of yeah. just feeling morose and sad about it right exactly and i think it and the thing is as well it's like we said at the top like the the writers aren't doing anything really groundbreaking here in terms of structure like it is just yeah a, a series of i want songs um and uh you know very skillfully written but that that is all it is yeah. um there's no you know deep twists or extreme storytelling like each in it you know it feels like that kind of cabaret right act um but where it it, it stops from being a song cycle i think is the fact that the characters are so identifiable yeah um and unique um but also that it is united, like you say, by this overarching concept um, that everyone feeds into. Yeah, uh, and I think I just think that's really really smart. Yeah, I mean that's that's the cleverness of it. That's the you know. I mean, literally, take a drink for every time I've said that's really smart. <laughs> I'm really sorry, everyone. I'm really sorry. I'm just excited. It's such a fun show. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> we're getting there by the way we're, we're we're almost there we are i just love and this is on the album so it's not a spoiler um uh constant says after swing in space age bachelor man i'm so happy right now i can never come down and then creepy ass jane doe goes my turn and then yes. the music like goes wow this yeah. this shit's um, spooky this well, this song is creepy so right let's segue gink Oh, my soul, oh, my soul. 
read an article mm-hmm. um, so I think it was Jacob Richmond of the writing team uh-huh. who was talking about his kind of inspirations in the writing of this um, and in this he says something and I was like ah oh no it wasn't it was Brooke Maxwell there you go because so he's saying um, Brooke Maxwell was saying um, he's a newcomer to composing musicals and was less influenced by musical theatre as they didn't listen to Cats um, and more by rock music. And the thing that he cites is Tom Waits' as The Black Rider. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a big, big Tom Waits fan. Thank you, my dad, for <laughs> giving me that. Um, and so The Black Rider is like, in many ways, it's the Tom Waits musical. Okay. Right? Not It's not Tom Waits, like a jukebox musical about tom waits not at all tom waits has written this piece more like um concept album the who's yes, tommy yeah like yeah exactly the wall like that yeah. kind of vibe um but because tom waits is an extremely intelligent and interesting and theatrical man mm-hmm. um it's very very good uh-huh. and so the second he said that i was like oh my that makes so much sense because mm-hmm. the this dark discordant yeah haunting music is laden all the way through yeah um the black rider yeah and it's brought in really nicely into this because so with tom waits he's purposefully making it mm-hmm. discordant and difficult to listen to yeah. because that's his jam whereas here it's still listenable yeah right and it's still lovely but it is chilling as fuck yeah you know right i said earlier in this podcast this thing this show isn't doing a lot of revolutionary stuff with music and i think i take that back well i think so yeah like it's it's extremely high quality for all of the the twists and turns that they well, make and like I, and like i i think a lot of the songwriting follows some pretty standard structures but then you know throws you for a loop when it we switch to ukrainian folk and right. a lot of it is like you know it's a, a three or four piece combo that's then pulling all these you know tracked and beat and sampled like there's a bit in um space age bachelor man where you can hear it goes and if you listen really closely that's it's a turn signal on a car um like they're pulling some like deep deep samples that are really yeah. out there for musical theater and the ballad of jane doe in this kind of deep discordant way is right. really leaning into some of these techniques absolutely and i think i say like the right and i think it probably is particularly brooke maxwell um like this is a wonderful addition for him mm-hmm. because he's literally just been like look at all of these wonderful things that I can do to, again, like, say, very high quality. Yeah. Um, like, you compare this to something like Dear Evan Hansen, right? I know. And you're like, that's generic as fuck. Yeah. Like, they're so samey. Right. And then you d- dip into this and you're like, wow. Yeah. I mean, this is a journey. This is a show. There are other, I, you can hear it happen in other shows. Be like, well, we've only got, you know, a keyboard and uh, like a guy playing horn and French horn and right. one drum kit. And like, and this show doesn't use its musicians as a limitation. Not at all. Like it started out with a bassist and a piano. Like, yeah. 
that's how they started and it was still the same music my friend um it's a bit more scored out now but they just yeah it's just a very very smart contemporary writer using like say all of the tools in the toolbox yeah. to create this hugely varied songs so um the ballad of jane doe we get to hear from the headless wonder herself mm-hmm. um and up until this point we really know nothing about her mostly because there's there's nothing to know yeah um and so she sings about that exact fact basically um and what it's like to not have a clue about who you are yeah um and it, i'm going to say it get your drinks at the ready it's really smart <laughs> <laughs> it is it is the this is where we start to pull together the strings that have been woven throughout the show, yep. right? Because the whole thing is a contemplation on death and mm-hmm. on, you know, and everything that comes with that purpose, what you did in life, you know, what your unfinished business is. Um, yep. And then to throw the twist or the commentary on that of like, what if you don't have a past what, or you can't remember it or it is lost? How does that compare to the others um and jane doe this you know kind of gun on the wall MacGuffin, right um comes out near the end of the show to start really driving the nail home about you know where is my soul is it with my head is it here is it with my body um and then it and then it takes a, a dubstep drop halfway through where we get this like really vampy jazzy bit really really yeah like deep new orleans jazz moment yeah yeah it's really really impressive and it's a really really impressive vocal actually and Mm -hmm. this is again something i want to talk about um because we don't hear a lot for sopranos nowadays yeah fair (laughs) and like this so emily rome and uh, whoever's sung it before it's been scored for a legit coloratura soprano yeah um and we really really don't we don't get that anymore. No, um, not in a piece like and, this, for sure. Oh, certainly not. I mean, like, well, I mean, you'll see it in like, you no, know, like normally, normally it's trotted out for like a comedy number, right? Sure. Or like a moment of like, oh, look, this person can sing really high, right? right? Like an impressive, um, like Chenoweth style, like, let me hit the yeah, high note. Yeah, exactly. And like, obviously, you know, it, Glinda is very much a coloratura soprano role. Right. Fine. But it's not, I think writers nowadays are going for your Beltris. Yeah. And they're sticking in that lane as much as possible. Um, whereas this is allows these incredibly talented singers to flex their mm-hmm. coloratura muscles yeah. and, and do some really, really impressive vocal. Yeah. Um, and it, it, this is a, a very, very good example of this. So if you're, by the way, yeah. If you're a soprano and you're looking for audition songs yeah. and you're bored of, of everything out, else. Right, exactly. Rogers and Hammerstein for yeah. the 30th time. Um, this is a fantastic number because actually it it does have all of your da 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 yeah. at the top. But then it, it does have a really, really strong lower section as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- so you can really show off with it. This song, I've thought this before, and it's the reason, um, like, uh, 14G is such a popular yes. audition number, right? Right. Because it might as well be written to be like, let me show you my range through right. these two different musical styles, one that lives above and one that lives below, right? Um, exactly. This one, in the context of a show, does that. And, like, that's, you know, that's the other thing. A lot of those high soprano roles 
end up being very, I don't know the right word, samey. Um, or yeah, like, and they're often like, like safe. The, yeah, and it's often like the sort of wallflower, I'm in love. Right. I, and I'm going to sing about how I love it. Very rarely is it like, I don't know who I am. Right. And like the, just the acting chops beforehand, like I'm the the creepy ghost girl, right? It's right, exactly. so wildly yeah, different. walking around like a broken doll over this whole Yeah, piece. in giant um, full black contacts. Like, Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there you go, Sopranos. Enjoy. Um, but sort of narratively as well, I think this is... Uh, I'd say one of the most, this will seem strange, but like musical theatery songs. Sure. Do you know what I mean? But like this one, if this was in a cabaret, yeah. I would be like, huh. Yeah. But if this was in a musical, I would totally get it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. It is. And we'll, I think we'll hashtag get to it in a second. But <laughs> yeah. I do structure wise my my first couple times through and even now it was interesting to me that this song came before um mm. what is it called jawbreaker um yeah we will talk about jawbreaker that sugar, sugar cloud, cloud yeah. which comes right after this which is constance's song because yes. this song does feel right jane doe's been the mystery contestant the whole time this is memory right this is this feels like it should be the climax um yeah. and yet there is more show um yeah. Which is such a fun, fascinating, interesting choice. I think it's a really clever, smart. smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not using synonyms. I'm in it now. Um, yeah, it's a really clever choice. There you go. Um, yeah, we'll get into that later uh, because I think there's lots to unpack yeah. around that point. Um, and I think, I, I think it probably could have gone two ways. Mm-hmm. And I think you would achieve very, very different outcomes. So, uh, yeah, I want to kind of yeah. unpack that a bit. Um, um, and then after the thing that takes us out of Jane Doe's lament. <laughs> right. Is Ocean wishing Jane happy birthday. Yeah. And then not really getting, because they don't know who she is. And so she makes up a, using her improv skills, a random other birthday song. Now, that's a good point, actually. That's a good point to talk about these. These kind of like interstitial mm-hmm. songs, yeah, I find quite interesting. It's you could there are like, it's a cool structure, cool, clever, smart, uh, for a show <laughs> that we've kind of swapped out the like a plot b plot for primary song and secondary song that happens during the scene, right? Yeah, and that's kind of the and <laughs> roller coaster of the plot of the show right the peaks are these big i want production number songs and the valleys are these you know often like deeply connective and funny scenes which have a a little bit of a song in it or certainly some very specific underscoring um yeah and then we you know go back up on the next and which is different from how you would like a more traditional musical theater structure where you do those peaks and valleys through what, what this show would call like primary songs. Like you've Mm -hmm. got like a big, big song and then a novelty number and then a big, big Mm -hmm. dramatic song and then another novelty number and then a romance song and then a novelty number, um, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, lots of pieces of art are structured like that. Um, yeah, but it's cool. It's cool. It's different. It's a unique structure. Um, it's, it's nice. It's different than usual. It's nice. Yeah, yeah you yeah. don't get that. Nope. That's Kath and Kim. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway. But yes. Um, 
You know the reason the reason I, is because well the one that the one that got me is um we've we've passed over it now but it is um Ocean sings the song after Noel mm-hmm. comes out um and does his oh turn. every story has a lesson every story's got a lesson <laughs> and so I was thinking about this is a fresh thought that I only had today mm-hmm. and I think that I get why it's in there mm-hmm. I get I get why it's a song right. because it's what like 30 seconds long yeah. not even yeah there's like, there's no there's no chorus there's no reprise it, there's no right yeah dcl coda but it's like, a it's a full cast number yep. you know what i mean like it's, it's definitely a number um and i was like that is such a strange thing because it's not like every song every person's turn is then preceded by a little small right. vignette number yeah. so i was like why why have they kept this in as a song yeah and it, it doesn't make it wouldn't make sense diegetically right like it's, it's very thing and i think that's something that we'll we'll get to yeah i will say um it is easing you into because it's between noel and then uh, uh misha um and is easing you because isn't karnak's response like oh i guess perhaps every story does have a lesson like pompeii don't build your house next to an active volcano so i think that's what he says in is that what he says in the album? Is that not in the script? Says, I think he is. Does he say something differently in the script? Let's have a look. I might be completely wrong. Yeah, he says, not every story has a lesson, Ocean. Then she says, no, every story has a lesson, every single story. And then she breaks into a, a scene. So in that respect, mm-hmm. I just think it's... If I was sat there watching it, mm-hmm. I'd be like, huh. That was interesting. Well, it's I'm, this is this is the one-two punch of the show, right? They're right. they're setting you up with this conceit that, huh? Maybe every story doesn't have a lesson. Well, and that's... but I don't think you think that because I only thought that today, and I've been listening to this album all week. So I, I think it's it's there to hit into your subconscious. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because it's not you don't you won't leave humming. Sure. Every story's got a lesson. Yeah. You know that isn't the thing you remember right. in this show, but it's there and it's obviously there for a reason. And this show that's been worked on and polished down right so many well, times. And part of it is, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but it's setting up, I think, a story beat for Ocean later. Yeah, but yeah, okay, yeah, we'll 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 get to it, won't we? <laughs> we will get to it, but first. Constance. Oh, Constance. So, so first, I think we have maybe the longest talking scene in the whole show. Um, yeah, my God. Yeah. Get this in your monologue book, everyone. Like, <laughs> well, and like, and even leading up to it is the is the most we go without a a number in in most of the thing, right? Um, yeah. Uh huh. And then this is the kind of down. Yeah, it is it is the kind of like downbeat? Right. It's where we collect ourselves before the the end, yep. basically. Um, Constance is. A, a nice bland girl and self-describes as such i think yeah she's the nicest girl in town yeah um but like not memorable and not in the way that ocean is like a pain in the ass and like you know really up there in energy constant just kind of exists um mm-hmm. 
But we learn, and this is foreshadowed earlier, that Constance lost her virginity today. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has this song about, like, joy? Well, I think she has a song that's completely of acceptance. Um, so this is this is where structure comes into play. Yeah. Um, this is the only song that isn't an I want song. Yeah, that's fair. Because this is a I got song. Yeah. You know, this is the song of discovery that you would get at this point in the show. Yeah. Um, and I think that's 100% why it's at this point in the show. Right, exactly. Um, it's... <sighs> really intelligent i don't know what to do anymore like <laughs> i don't know how to speak um but yeah basically we've heard from all of these characters who are telling us their biggest fantasies their dreams their aspirations um and then we hear from constance and she just tells us about her life mm-hmm. and it is really the first time we hear about what's actually kind of come before yeah um and what's you know what's actually happening um and so yeah she has this really heartbreaking gorgeous monologue um about how she has grown as she's gotten older to resent her parents yeah for not being ambitious and being comfortable yeah. in this small town yeah and pushing that kind of onto her um and she talks about how that that makes her so angry mm-hmm. and it makes her a little bit sick that that's what she's kind of been given. Yeah. And so in this kind of pit of despair, she has sex with this carny <laughs> in a porta potty yeah. because it's the thing that you would do. You know, I mean, like that's because, you know, small town girl, right. of course, that's what she's going to do. Right. That journey of like self-deprecation yeah. is really heartbreaking, but really yeah. honest like yeah that is a yeah that was a a bit of a gut punch i think for me and um and then the monologue takes this turn about how much exhilaration she felt during the accident like yeah as she was flying through the air this is very much the first time we really hear about the accident right they kind of briefly allude to it in the opening number but they don't dwell on it and it's not it's not specifically about the accident this is her saying you know up until this point you could be like is this real what's going on here and this is right. saying no we've we're all dead right um and this was my experience yeah and then she you know talks about how like she had all these delightful thoughts just before she died and very much comes to terms with her experience in uranium and then that yeah. leads into this you know real like what a what a it's got a very musical theater structure to it but in like a very nice way um mm-hmm. it reminds me of uh what's that title show song standing in the backyard uh, oh okay yeah and um, way back to yeah then. it's got it's got like it kind of starts with that sort of feel it picks up certainly um but it is just this kind of expression of joy and potential and like yeah. You know, not like childhood wonders the wrong word, but it's in the same part of the dictionary as this song. Um just Yeah, it's innocence, it's it's delight, yeah. you know. Um and it is in it's in the title, Sugar Cloud. Right. Like it's it's delightful, it's it's very yeah euphoric. Yeah. Um 
and it's not the thing that you would expect to come after someone talking about their death you know i was a little like reading through the script i was a little worried because there's the story of um uh anyone can whistle right and the um monologue before Mm. what song is that uh you smug little men smug little schemes yes that one um and the you know i think sandy talks about it and whatever hat book it is that the monologue was so good that the song didn't land because the song didn't wasn't as good as monologue um yeah and i think that is kind of a truism in musical theater like either get into the song right away and say the important thing in the song or ditch the song and just make it the monologue Mm -hmm. because it's more powerful that way this is a rare example where both of them right next to each other enhance like yeah this is you know this is a what maybe a full page maybe a page and a quarter of just straight up monologuing describing her life in uranium and the accident leading straight into the song and like i have no doubt if you're sitting in this theater like you could hear a pin drop like yeah just to, it brings you down to this little point and then the song starts so you know quaint and mildly happy and slow and then builds and yeah. builds and builds and builds and builds it must be such a fun ride through this whole little story beat with constance absolutely um and and also like up until this point you've only seen her as the sort of browbeaten sidekick character she hasn't had a moment of mm-hmm. like owning her shit yeah um and so it's so great that she gets this huge experience Mm -hmm. of literally literally owning her shit and and coming to terms with her own everything um and so that's why i think it goes this way because if you put jane doe here you go back a step no i mean i I I do think it works it's just yeah and a a I don't know, a non-traditional structure. Like it feels, it's, right. it's part of the like reversal of expectations that the show keeps throwing yeah. at you. I think, I think like the, the obvious choice would be to put Jane Doe as the last one because right. she is the Grisabella. You know right. what I mean? She is the, the mystery woman. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, sure, that makes sense. But actually, the only one really to have that kind of non-aspirational you know i mean non-aspirational experience Mm -hmm. um that she's been told to have her entire life what else would she sing about you know like uh it's so beautiful to have that moment of yeah okay yeah that's that you know i mean it's like she's almost taking herself out the race yeah kind of thing um and uh yeah i like it a lot it's a really really beautiful moment it's, it's been, that I must say, out of the whole album, that section's been the biggest grower. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like I, at the start, I was sort of like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. we'll it felt a little on. childish. We'll it felt again. a little, you know, un, uninformed. Yeah, it was poppy yeah. and like la 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 yeah. la. And then you work out, oh, actually, what are you talking about here? Yeah. Oh shit, this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, which is an an annoying curse, I think, of digesting musical theater in the way that we do. Sure. Because if you were in a house, you would never have Oh, it would be that. stunning in person. I have no doubt. Right. Yeah. But when you're just listening to a cast yeah. album without context, etc. It is a, it, a poor facsimile of the yeah. thing. Yeah. But it does, it um, makes our jobs fun, right? You know, to get to absolutely. rebuild up the other stuff. I do take a lot of joy. It's, you know, fuck, this is why we do theater. But 
in yeah. like building up the show from just bits and pieces. Yeah, exactly. It's fun that way. It's like a game. Exactly. Do you know what it is? Mm. It's not a game. It's just a raid. <laughs> Come on. A that, was, to that was a good, that was a great one. Ding dong. Um, and dear, that's the name of the finale. And it was here, dear listener, where Tommy first complimented Jimmy on his unprompted use of the Segway transition. But also the two much. skipped important plot points that we will not be divulging in this podcast, nor are they divulged in the cast album. Please take this exactly. as further encouragement to mount your own production of Ride the Cyclone. And please, we expect two tickets at Will Call under the names Jimmy and Tommy. XOXO Gossip Girl. <laughs> it's great that we got Jacob Richmond to come and record with the podcast, <laughs> isn't it? That is so good. This ride, it has heartbreak. This ride, it has pain. All kinds of blue skies. No shortage of rain. Yes, there is laughter. And the telling of lies. And maybe in darkness, we open our eyes. The kids sing a really poppy song called It's Just a Ride. They do. So the thing is, right, I've gone on such a journey with this ending. Mm -hmm. At first I hated it. Mm -hmm. At first I was like, what was the point in that? I'm so frustrated because I loved every single moment of this. Mm -hmm. And now I'm confused because I wasn't given what I wanted. And then I read the script. Yep. And then I was like, oh it's good and it makes everything different yeah so this is why you need to see this show <laughs> you know what i mean like it's it's really or you know get get your hands on a copy of the script yeah i mean do the show find reason to do the show um that's the thing yeah yeah actually do that's what you should do you're right Tommy. do the show do license it. the show and perform the show it's a great show it deserves and and like i'm you know it sounds like i'm being flippant but like i mean it i really really like this show it seems like it's the kind of show that is gonna find its footing in these smaller houses in community theaters and regional productions and yeah you know like i i don't mean to assume too much but that's you all our listeners and so yeah like do the show this is a show that deserves to be out there um you know I've been we we just this past week, Jimmy had our first in-person performances of mm-hmm. the last year and a half, um, and it's been a like bizarrely emotional time because you forget how much you missed it in like weird, right. specific, and bizarre ways. Um, 
Like we were doing, I forget what we were doing earlier this week. I was scrambling around trying to get some sound thing hooked up like two minutes before house was going to open. The sort of thing that previously used to like stress me out a lot. Um, Uh And it was still stressful. But I did have this like brief moment of like, man, I missed this. I really liked this. Um, and, And I'm coming to the realization more and more that like, you know, we can talk about theater. We love talking about theater. We do it all the time. But this stuff doesn't exist unless it's done. This stuff doesn't exist unless it's on stage or in a Zoom or put through production and put through actors' brains and directors' brains and musicians' brains yeah. and then spit out on the other side for audiences to digest. Like, we are just a, uh, uh, you know, a tiny, tiny, tiny uh, uh, attempt at recreation of that feeling in the way that we analyze and discuss musicals. Nothing compares to doing it live to seeing it in person um yeah all that to say ride the cyclone is available through broadway licensing um and uh you should look them up and do it with your local company this is a hands like a, a you know uh, an accessible show i think it would be a popular show everyone's kind of yeah. coming out of hibernation these days ride the cyclone look it up absolutely um and actually do you know what mm-hmm. I- and again, I really don't mean this flippantly. I think this is a good point to talk about death. Sure. Right? Because, like you say, we're coming out of a really dark period, yeah. right? Um, And a lot of us have only thought about death for a very, very long yeah. time. Um, And actually, I think this show has a really interesting contribution to that discussion mm-hmm. um so again we're not going to give well no I, th- I don't think we need to give anything away actually to, to talk about this but um really the the finale it's not a game it's just a ride yeah. you know what you know what that's talking about riding the cyclone you know we know what we know what this is all about um it, it's metaphorical right. um probably for life yep. um and this idea that um the most important part of life is having lived it yeah and it, it like that's that's what counts. it's there in the lyrics life isn't a game that you have to win or lose life is merely a ride you know hold on right yes exactly and so whether you see that moment of like oh guess what i've been in this small town and all along i've had amazing times mm-hmm perfect right. you know i mean you've taken part in the ride um i also so i it made me think about this quote probably just because it's about roller coasters but it's from the film parenthood with steve martin mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite films actually um and so comes quite near the end mm-hmm. um and this is very much like the kind of turning point and so it's the the grandma character mm-hmm. um who's sort of been a bit of a joke about the whole thing um speaks to steve martin she says you know when i was 19 grandpa took me on the roller coaster and steve martin's like oh okay and she's like up and down up and down oh what a ride and steve martin's like what a great story mm-hmm. like thanks thanks grandma um and she's like i always wanted to go again you know it was just so interesting to me that a ride could make me so frightened so scared so sick so excited and so thrilled all together some didn't like it they went on the merry-go-round that just goes around nothing. I like the roller coaster 
you get more out of it. And I was just thinking about that. I was hmm. like, and that, like when I when I first heard that quote, I was we, I was like, <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was sure. like it was properly yeah. like I heard that. I think it was in like my Facebook. Bio yeah, absolutely. When I first got Facebook. Um, but it, it is, it, you know, I mean, it's all in this part of this conversation of you know, it, it, enjoy the ride, folks, because. Right. What else you got to do, you know? Um, and I think it's really interesting because it it can be totally taken yeah. in, in two yeah. ways. Um, and I love the fact that Noel is a character in this show yeah. because Noel talks about how he's a nihilist yeah. um, and is like, death come to me because, you know, life is shit. Right. Um, and glorifies in right. that. Uh, but I don't think this show is nihilistic no and which is interesting because even like like ricky right who has created this fantastic fantasy for himself that only he gets to experience and it's portrayed in a way and noel as well where like you don't feel sorrow for these characters in spite of Mm -hmm. them telling you things that should make you feel really really sad for them yeah because they're in it it's their own experience and they are happy you know yeah. i mean they're happy with their lot yeah. um and it, it's interesting because i was trying to find i was like is there such a thing as like optimistic nihilism and positive nihilism? and it seems like yes people are obviously having those yeah. discussions but it's not like a you know a quoted right. ah yes philosophy i feel like there um, i feel like i've heard inklings of this in college philosophy the idea that like if everything is meaningless, the only winning choice is to enjoy it. Yes. If nothing means nothing, then all you can do is do your best to be happy. Exactly. And it's, I think it's particularly interesting at the moment because one of the biggest, uh, I guess, outcomes of the pandemic is people are starting to think more um like in the death positive movement Mm, you know and that this is this is becoming a a much more of a dinner table conversation Mm. um than it wasn't before um and i think i think we've spoken about this before in the podcast i was trying to remember which episode Mm. i think it might have been once on this island really and i can't remember why Hmm. it doesn't ring a bell with because i was talking about it in the context of um his dark materials and how um there's a whole community there who live with their death And their death comes with them all through life. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a conversation that we're starting to have a lot more now. And I think that's why this show in particular would be a really good one to present because it, it is talking about death. Like that is literally, right. that is literally all it's about. Um, and it does do it in this very death positive slant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is an important conversation that we should be having. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, yeah, I have nothing smart to add to that other than agreeing. Nothing smart. <laughs> hey. Um, so, yeah, listen, I mean, we are deep embedded in the ass of this show. I know. Because, but I don't know, to, like, just speaking for like, I've not felt this excited about a show in a long time. I, I mean, I said it at the top. I'm getting that comet feeling. Um, Those comet feelings, yeah. Like, it, yeah, I just, I really want everyone to love this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's fun 
because it's it's pushing these very like heady topics in a very yeah. accessible way. Yeah. In the medium that we love in yep. a way that I think would be impossible or at least very difficult outside of the genre of musical theater. Like it can only take the turn yeah. towards, you know, Swing and Space Age Bachelor Man because it's a song, right? Yeah. This doesn't work in a lot of other and so it is able to approach this you know, exactly the things we've spent the last, you know, hour and whatever talking about because of exactly. the genre. And it is so exciting to find something that feels so new and original and isn't a recasting of a different story into this form that is also yep. doing something meaningful and uh it's it's man, it's it's like finding a sand dollar on the beach. Like yeah, you you. I don't roll across these sorts of things that make me feel this way that often. Not at all. That is exact. This is definitely a sand dollar on the beach. Like it is, it it, it does feel like a proper gem. Yeah. Um, and I feel very like privileged. Oh to yeah, being able to listen to it, which just sounds such a stupid thing to say. Um, but it's interesting. I think like it, thinking about it in comparison to something like Comet mm. that we were obviously really excited by, and obviously deeply love. Um, after I finished listening to Comet, I was like, I know this is going to be so hard to get people to listen yeah. to. Like, I can't sell right. this because it is experimental right. and because and it so, is yeah. cutting edge. Yeah. Um, this is I could get my I could get my mom to listen way. to Ride the Cyclone. I don't know if she'd enjoy it, but like, but I think she yeah. would because it's enjoyable. Yeah. You, like hands down, this is an enjoyable show, um, and it will allow you to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, that you might not be able to have otherwise because you make such a good point if this was in a play right it would be like a stoppard or it right. would be something like no exit it would feel so I mean? heavy be, and yeah. yeah it couldn't it would be really difficult to make a full-blown comedy right. on its like straight up as a play um about this so yeah this is a hundred percent the correct medium for mm. it and it's is pretty damn masterful. Yeah. That's better than smart. There you go. I like masterful. that. I think the other thing is, and I don't know if you feel this too, but in the way that we do sometimes feel like stewards of our art form, yeah, and that shows don't exist unless we do them. And so it's yeah. kind of like passing, you know, when the, the volleyball is going through the crowd at the concert and you got to do your part to hit it and keep it up in the air. And this is one where like, I feel like, yeah, I got to ride the cyclone. It's a musical that you should be doing say that out loud so that other people hear it because otherwise this thing starts to, you know, sputter and fade. Right. Yeah. I, I'm com- I mean, I completely agree because I'm already thinking like, damn, why isn't the fringe on this yeah. year? Because this is the perfect fringe yes. show. Like 2022, I want to see 12 productions of Ride the Cycle. Like I want to see this Please. at every high like, school. Like I want this to be the new Adams family, right? Like, yeah, why the hell not? Like, it is so... Like, you shouldn't be doing Spelling Bee anymore. We've done plenty of Spelling mm-hmm. Bee. Please do yeah, this instead. You know, like... Yeah. You may as you well. May as well. It's, it's a great sub-in for it. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. Well Well done, guys. It's... Hey, you know what? It's pretty smart. Well, it's pretty tough. <laughs>
Okay, Tommy. We've ridden that cycle. It's just a ride. Uh, That's the second. Also why uh, being Karnak is high on my list. No singing. No dancing. I mean, it's great. You just get to sit in a box all time. I mean, I think I could, I could not cope with being in this show and not being one of the kids. That's fair. It's like, yeah, yeah, no. It, it, yeah, no. I'm not having that. You, you, you do that and, you and I'll keep man in man chair. In chair. We'll be, Thank you. How the, I assume uh, Fringe is just like West Side Story and there are like opposing theater groups across the, the cobblestone <laughs> yeah, path the from each other. Yeah, and that'll be our uh, drowsy chaperone v ride the cyclones. <laughs> God, what a double billing that would be! <laughs> Goodness me, they're both very like Let's make existential crisisy. Maybe that speaks to the kind yeah, of stuff we like. Way, though. <laughs> and they're both Canadian. <gasps> oh my God! The pieces come together. Anyway, what's next? <laughs> well, Jimmy, you ask, what are we doing for our next show? Well. We have often said on this podcast that there's no need to bug us on Twitter. We're going to get to everything eventually, and we might be making an exception. <laughs> Bradley Gladly on Twitter, you're welcome. He certainly knows what we're doing next. Yeah, exactly. And you can too if you scour our Twitter. <laughs> um, hey, worst, speaking of Twitter. Worst trivia ever. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's a shame because there's probably loads of really good <laughs> trivia questions for this show. It's fine. Um, hey, speaking of Twitter, if you want to get in touch with us, you can on Twitter um, or Instagram. Our handles are Jim and Tomic. That is J I M A N D T O M I C. Or you can drop us an email on our website, jimandtomic.com, for some long form chat. We've also got merch. We've got a Discord. Head over to the show notes for the Discord link. It only lasts 24 hours, so go click it now. But there's a new one every episode. So if you missed it this time, you'll get it next time. Woo! And while you are there, you can check out our Patreon if you'd like to financially support us. Um, you will also find on our Patreon our $5 tier, our video podcast, Last Call. Um, this, t- this time we talked about uh, alternate reality games <laughs> um, and uh, mobile phone and the interfaces. And that Netflix show you're really into. Yeah, the OA man. Oh, so I, I like I'm buzzing because something might have happened in the time that we've been recording this. Anyway, um, most yeah, you can go find that there. Most of all, it really helps us out when you tell your friends about our show. We get most of our listeners through word of mouth, and we appreciate your mouths. I haven't said that one in a bit. You're so right. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's all for this time. Thank you for listening. Go listen to Ride the Cyclone, and cheers, cheers, Jimmy. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the five hour energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.
Is that offensive to say I'm an aspiring pansexual? It's no, I like, think that's I fine. Am. It's the yeah, truth. Yeah, it's the truth. Yeah. I speak my truth.